0: we You know the good news for you though is that the majority of people that are dying from this are men. Like seven out of ten are are, are men, and thank most God. of them are over the are, are over fifty. So I really don't think it's a Chinese virus. I think it's a women's virus. I think I mean, you guys God. created it. Yeah. Uh, you know to to get some gender equality.
1: I'm gonna let you in on a secret. We did. We did indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This came from the Amazonian women, and uh, we're not even sorry about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm pretty sure that the women's march last year in uh, in Washington D.C. wasn't so much about liberation and wage equality and and all that stuff. It was really about how you guys create the Rona
1: and give it to us. Yeah, Yeah. tell no. I knew
0: it. We don't
1: need to procreate with you. We don't need you all all. I mean, and there are some women out there that kill spiders. So like, literally, we're fine. And we have some women who lift a lot of weights and they can open up peanut butter jars. Again, nobody needs you. That,
0: that I, I I totally agree, but what are you gonna do about driving? I mean, you guys are really, really bad at it.
1: As it shows, you know, we'll just like adapt to riding bikes.
0: Autonomous and, vehicles. Autonomous yeah. vehicles. You and, won't need them. Or,
1: or maybe we already will we will, but it'll progress faster because women will be taking care of that. And so between bikes and the autonomous vehicles you know and scooters we're fine we don't ever need to get No no cars.
0: I've seen I've seen plenty of women on scooters and it is hilarious Yeah it, it's all of a sudden people lose all motor skills
1: Whiskey throttle
0: <laughs> Yeah yeah it's it's kind of funny uh so are there any signs of hope anything looking up No <laughs> No Well, it's really depressing
1: No it, so I canceled my trip to my my girls' trip to Vegas, um, that's just not gonna happen now. Because uh, it was at the. Bet Vegas. you the rooms are
0: cheap right now, though.
1: The, well, they aren't. Well, you can't. <laughs> like, there's they're free because you can't stay here.
0: Because <laughs> the hotels are all closed.
1: Yeah. So no, there's you know there's nothing. Um, there's but no I, hope. I mean,
0: it's all black.
1: That's not true. So, like, our neighbors have communicated with us more than ever, and. Um, you know yeah there it's it's a little bleak at the moment yeah i think uh, yeah i mean it, that sounds dark but it kind of i don't know i don't know of anything super positive other yeah, than it, the life stuff right like self-reflection yeah doing things that yeah you know taking potentially taking courses that are offered very cheap that can help progress you either professionally or personally mm-hmm. um, you know, but I think it's it's hard to be super positive when you, I mean, going outside is sort of a threat. Yeah. And that's necessary and vital to like staying sane. And when, I don't know, go ahead.
0: No, I was going to say we're pack animals anyway, right? So we we operate better when we are in the company of other people and and i think what makes us stronger as a species is exactly what is killing us at the moment and i think that's what i think this that's what one of the biggest challenges here is that you you can't do farm aid you can't do a benefit concert um where you get hundreds of thousands of people together you you can't gather people in masses to raise rise up against um the covid and that makes it challenging i think that makes it really difficult for us it, it creates a sense of loneliness and a sense of despair and a sense of grief when let's let's be honest uh, you know i know you've had you've had some some uh, changes in your life and you know we've had some ourselves but but beyond that we're healthy you know your family's healthy my family's healthy so by and large we're okay But yet the the grief and the despair, it's just, it's consuming sometimes.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've got a friend who lives alone in an apartment in a city he's not familiar with. I can't, I can't imagine that. You know, he's half a country away from his family, but he can't go see them. So, you know, at least like I know where I am and... I know like the areas that I can run to, to get away and, you know, go run so that I have a little bit of respite, even though it's been fantastic seeing all these people out. Um, You know, I, I've never seen this many people on like, for example, my running routes or when I walk around the neighborhood and it's been nice seeing some new faces repeatedly. Mm -hmm. And I really hope this is something that sticks. I mean, you know, we all are, it's a little weird because you have to stay far apart and there's so many people out. But, um, <laughs> so, you know, sometimes I spend half my day running in the middle of a road, but it's been really positive And I hope that's something that that is going to stick around.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, uh, I've seen a lot of my neighbors. We've lived in this neighborhood now three and a half years almost. And there's people that we've never met people we haven't seen. And um, because of the, the stay at home orders, uh, people are out on their streets. And also, I mean, the weather could not be nicer at this oh, point. So good. Uh, It's just, it's heaven outside. And, uh, and so people are out doing their thing and, and we're meeting people. I met one of my neighbors the other day and they rent classic cars on Turo and you, you know, you know how I am with cars. Uh, and I went out there and chatted them up, obviously from six feet away. And uh, and it's going to be great, you know, when, when this whole thing is said and done, hopefully in the next few weeks. Um, we'll have them over for dinner. Maybe I'll get to go drive their 1965 Porsche Speedster. You
1: know, mm,
0: selfish I feel like a,
1: Yeah, I feel like there's a, just a tinge of selfishness there. Just but a tinge. Just a tinge. I kind of get it.
0: Just a tinge. Um, I mean, I let, I'll let them drive my car. It'll be fine. So um, speaking of hope, um, obviously uh, one of the things One of the things I think uh, we talked about this this week is creativity is a bit of a distraction. So um, what is this thing we're doing here?
1: Um, We're going to do a movie podcast for those who want to look at movies in a different way. And it's going to be fun. (laughs) I,
0: I, I hope so. I hope so. I think that. I think that uh, movie review podcasts. There's a lot of them out there, and I think that we've we've probably listened to our fair share of them. And and uh, while we can pay homage to a lot of these, uh, you know, I think that what we're going to try to do is is a bit different and a bit unique. Um, and and hopefully, uh, we'll find people that uh, that uh, appreciate what we're doing. So, um, welcome to Tommy Shinebox.
1: So thanks to the listeners who may or not, may not be members of our family um, and pitying us and listening to this, but someone at least thinks we're funny.
0: Well, or they'll lie to us and tell us they think we're funny. But as long as you and I think we're funny, that doesn't matter, right?
1: Exactly. Um, so what is this thing called Tommy's Shine Box?
0: Well, we're not critics, obviously. Uh, um, we're professionals. Other we, than but- for poor grammar. Well, that's that's true. That's true. You uh, you will never let any of my emails go uncorrected, which uh, I appreciate. Uh, so we're not critics, but we enjoy movies. And I think in this time of uh, th- this time that we have to reflect and and reassess the kind of entertainment that we get, um, movies are a great distraction. They always have been. Uh, And so we created this thing called Tommy Shinebox. And yes, it sounds like a really stupid name, but I think one of our favorite movies is Goodfellas. And uh, in Goodfellas, there's a scene where there's a character by the name of Billy Batts, who is this longtime gangster who goes to jail. And when he gets out of jail, he meets one of the the main characters, uh, Joe Pesci's character, Tommy. And he meets him at the bar that Tommy owns. And Billy Batts uh, starts to joke around with Tommy. And Tommy doesn't take kindly to it. Well, in the end of that conversation, uh, Billy Bats tells Tommy to go get his shine box. Uh, and uh, Tommy gets really mad, uh, goes and sends his girlfriend home, comes back a couple hours later. And that's when things get pretty stabby. Which leads us to one of the most major themes of the movie, which is cooking.
1: And murder. Definitely murder.
0: Yes, cooking and murder. Um, anyway, these subtle themes like cooking from Goodfellas um, are the kind of elements from movies that we want to cover in Tommy Shinebox. We hope you enjoy. This is the first ever episode, um, and uh, we don't know if we'll publish it. Uh, this might be just something that we can keep in a vault of some sort and look back and think about how dumb we were and the early spring of 2020 in the middle of the coronavirus. But um, this episode, we're going to cover something called Movie Twins. What are Movie Twins? You know, Movie Twins are, aren't are just movies about uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito uh, that uh, are really weird and, and bad that were made in the 1990s. But uh, they're movies that have a very similar plot, and they were released around the same time.
1: Okay, but... You know, I've always wondered this, and I think twin movies are – I don't think they're bad. I think they're pretty great. But why do they make them? That's
0: a good question. Um, Thanks to the wonderful Wikipedia, I did some research on twin films. Uh, And I found a number of reasons why studios go out and make twin films. One is – Uh, Obviously, a cash grab on a hot topic, so terrorist attacks, major ecological events like volcano eruptions and climate change, or, for example, the coronavirus. So I expect to see uh, in hopefully two years a bunch of movies about how the coronavirus was created by space monkeys from Mercury. Uh, But in reality, um, studios are pitched by writers, and these writers will pitch multiple studios on the same script. These are called spec scripts, Uh, and I'm sure that everyone who's listening, all six of them, may want to know what a spec script is. But essentially, a spec script was something that gained popularity in the 90s and 2000s when struggling screenwriters or authors with big names would create what's called a speculative or spec script. Uh, It's a script that isn't fully fleshed out. It's one that's based on a book or a pretty cool concept. Studios would buy those scripts and then give them to directors or completely change them or have their writers uh, upgrade and, and add characters to those scripts. Um, those same scripts were bought by multiple studios and they turned into very similar movies. And that's kind of how we got twin films.
1: Okay. So that's actually really interesting. I didn't know that. Um, but what are, you know, some of the most famous spec scripts seeing as how I'm just learning that that's even a term.
0: No, you know it's it's some of the most popular movies of all time were spec scripts. So Jurassic Park, Basic Instinct, Thelma Luis and Goodwill Hunting, who both won Oscars. Um, none of those really spawned twin films, other than you know the low budget ones like Sharknado and and others. Uh, but many have.
1: Okay, so like Dante's Peak and Volcano, and The Prestige and The Illusionist, which I cannot ever get correct, and Ants and a Bug's Life. Are those yes. Okay.
0: Yes. Uh, I, I can't get Ants and Bug Life correct. I, I don't know which one is which. One of them has Woody Allen in it, right?
1: I think so. But I mean, okay. in all fairness, I mean, let's be serious. There's always a better movie, even amongst the twins. So, a winner, if you will, between the twin movies. So, let's talk about the twin movies of all twin movies, Deep Impact and Armageddon, and let's decide a winner once and for all.
0: <laughs> that sounds good.
1: So I have always made this clear to anybody who asks, and even many people who do not, but Deep Impact is the better of the twin movies between Deep Impact and Armageddon. Because this movie has it all. It has a love story. It's got a father-daughter relationship made whole. It has a spaceship, societal meltdown, what they call an arc, and the best part, of course, an asteroid coming in hot. Now, I do love a good apocalyptic movie, even the bad ones. So, like 2012, I love that movie. But this movie, Deep Impact, really has it all. It chooses to portray the extinction-level event, as they call it, from multiple viewpoints, and has such greats as Tia Leone, Morgan Freeman, Robert Duvall, and even Frodo. And we get just enough insight into their lives to care that they may not make it. But... Something I find most interesting is that the movie chooses to take a more serious tone, one lacking in many disaster movies, which I think makes it the better of the asteroid disaster flicks. Plus, let's be serious, we want to see the disaster and deep impact delivers. We don't want global extinction, that would be depressing, but we do want to see some cities get wiped off the map. And the director, Mimi Letter, gets that. We want to see a little bit of destruction. We've watched, you know, an hour and a half to two hours of this movie, and I want to see some stuff get destroyed. And Deep Impact delivers all of these things in one two-hour package. It makes it well, the best.
0: As usual, you are a hundred percent wrong, um, and coming in at well over two hours, as we are measuring uh, in terms of size and minutes. Uh, Armageddon is truly the greater extinction level extinction event movie. Um, and good use of, uh, of the character Frodo, by the way, I cannot for the life of me, remember his name at this moment. And in my mind, it's Daniel Radcliffe, but I know that's Harry Potter. So, um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, uh, Daniel Radcliffe as Frodo in my, in my mind. And Rudy is obviously Samwise Gamgee. Um, So speaking of the better of the two movies, uh, 1998 also brought us Armageddon. You know, at that point, this is a point where we could still pack 40 ounces of liquids in our carry-ons, not take our shoes off when we fly. There wasn't a global pandemic. My hair was decidedly several shades darker and simultaneously thicker. And there was a lot less of it coming out of my ears. I know I sound attractive. Uh, Anyways, in the great will it hit us or will it not hit us Android mystery, Armageddon is absolutely the better movie. It stars a younger but still bald Bruce Willis. Pretty sure he's been bald since he was in his 20s. And a very, very skinny Ben Affleck. And a still-alive Michael Clark Duncan. Armageddon tells a story of one asteroid struggle to smash the Earth. And by smash, I'm not using millennial parlance. I'm literally talking Hulk smash. This movie is also very Michael Bay-like, which means a frenetic pace, smash cuts, and a massive ele- erection for the military, and just a hint of casual racism. You can't have a Michael Bay movie without stereotyping or making fun of some race. And in true Michael Bay form, there's really, really dumb people telling really, really smart people how really dumb their ideas are, and acting really stupid, but in a way that furthers the plot somehow.
1: Okay. Okay. All right, let's compare these two asteroid flicks. And, and here's how let's break it down. Um, just to have a logical way to prove just how much of a better movie Deep Impact is than Armageddon. We're going to discuss the theme, protagonist and antagonist, the most ridiculous moment, positive or negative, heroic arc, and the ending. So let's start with the theme. Uh, Deep Impact's theme is Save the Earth. And one of the storylines is focused on that, with Robert Duvall leading that effort. But there's also a secondary theme. What if we couldn't save it? And to me, this is where Deep Impact shines. They use multiple storylines to portray how people would react and what the world would do. So it's both uplifting and kind of bleak, because they're keeping it as real as possible As real considering there's not an asteroid coming for the Earth, we think, at this moment. But, you know, they show the world kind of evolving into riots and mass panic. But at the same time, they show you these storylines that have some growth and real character development. So that's, I think... The, the greatest theme about Deep Impact is what would we do if we couldn't save the world?
0: Well, I think that sounds entertaining, um, but very highbrow. For, for the Budweiser crowd, of which I am a active participant, um, Armageddon is absolutely the better movie because there is no alternative. The alternative in Ar- Armageddon isn't how will we survive when the asteroid hits us? It is the asteroid can't hit us because there's no alternative. We are going to die. We're going to, they establish very quickly that the, there is no uh living in this new ice age. Everything basically disappears. Um, and I, and I think that that both ups the odds a little bit or, or ups the ante, I should say a little bit, because Uh, You have to succeed. Um, There is only plan A and there is no plan B, C, or D. And and by the way, I do really like the fact that we're both doing, we're doing save the earth movie twins in a time when saving the earth is kind of important. So I I know we didn't plan this, but, but it seems kind of fitting. Um, But, but Armageddon really tells a, a really good story of family of class diversity um, of a group of people who have a very you know typical formulaic heroic hero's arc, um, and and obviously ultimately end up saving the day. So uh, we started. We said protagonist would be the next level, uh, the next uh, measure. Uh, Who do you think the protagonist is in Deep Impact?
1: So I know this will be frustrating, but there's kind of not really one. And I guess if you had to pick one, it would be maybe Jenny Lerner. She's called in the movie, which is Tia Leone. And I think there's an argument that could be made about Frodo, but since I'm not a huge fan of Frodo, neither the character nor the actor, I'm going to stick with Tia Leone on this one. And I think she's the protagonist and she's a strong female character who learns a devastating secret for a couple of days, she can't share it. And then she has to tray a person on the network for TV that is someone who's got to give the facts, but also be slightly unaffected. And then you get to see how she's actually feeling when it comes to finding out that her parents, for example, wouldn't be part of the lottery. Um, so they wouldn't be part of the people that if uh you know the asteroid hits the earth and they were able to put people into the arc as they call it and survive, her parents definitely wouldn't be some of those people. And she would get a pass no matter what because of who she is. Um, I think to me that's a strong and compelling protagonist. And you also see her struggle with her family during this time. So she has kind of a rough relationship with her father. And by the end of the movie, you see her give up this life she thought she wanted, which was fame and recognition. And she becomes something that's a bit different in just her character development. She doesn't quite move the story along as much, but it's more about watching her become something very unexpected, which is warm and caring and actually care about her family and put others before her. It was really, I thought interesting protagonist character arc.
0: Yeah, that is. It's the, the, the sort of kind of troubled uh, hero narrative. Uh, Armageddon has a similar one, um, albeit in a much, much more comedic and less deep uh, fashion. <laughs> uh, Bruce Willis, as we talked about earlier, he plays Harry Stamper. Um, he's the protagonist. He's kind of a rough oil guy who raised his daughter on a rig, with friends named Rockhound and Bear, he's an everyman with a heart of gold that only wants to look out for his family, which includes a bunch of stereotypical misanthropes. I mean, really, this movie is about as formulaic as it gets with how rough and ready the oil rig guys are. There's not one, but two sexual deviants. A black person running for the from the cops for some reason, we don't know why. Multiple health code violations, all mixed with a homoerotic undercurrent. It's basically the cast of Downton Abbey doing rent while serving 25 to life at Rikers. All Who's right. the bad guy in Deep Impact?
1: Um, so I had to think about this one because, like you made a joke about, it, I could take it to the deep look and say <laughs> fear. Um, but you know what? The antagonist in this movie is the asteroid. It's the extinction event. It is the Mac Daddy of all antagonists, which is the thing coming for you that's going to wipe you out. Um, And every storyline, everything about this movie is focused on that antagonist, which is the asteroid coming. So to me, that's the antagonist. Now, you know, if you want to take it a different level, you could say it's fear and our fear in the face of extinction. Um, I think that by making the asteroid the antagonist in this movie and using that to leverage these different characters in what they do and how they move forward during this time period of the movie, which I believe is um, at the time they find out it's a year. Um, I think it helps set everybody up so that you don't have to worry about characters having direct conflict. And you can instead allow the Characters to be more of the focus as they react to an outside event, but this one was a bit tough. I will say, the antagonist is an object that is not a character.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? I mean, if you think about antagonists, uh, especially in 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 most of the movies we we've grown up watching, the hero wins, um, and I think the opposite is in Deep Impact, right? Like it's not so much about the the hero winning; it's about what's ha- what's going to happen if we lose. Um where as I said earlier i I think that in in Armageddon it's kind of different you there is no losing there is it's a very kind of uh American cowboy mentality, which is it's our way to the highway we're gonna blow this thing up no matter what and and we're gonna win because there is no alternative so the, those secondary and tertiary layers of societal discord and and you know, what happens? Uh, how do we rebuild? Those kind of things. Those aren't even elements in Armageddon, um, but I'm going to go a different way in, in, uh, in with Armageddon when I talk about the antagonist because obviously mm-hmm. it's the dinosaur, the dinosaur. <laughs> obviously <laughs> it's the asteroid. I'm thinking, you know, we're going to have another uh, Cretaceous period. Uh, after I know the you're, iceberg, you're making
1: the sequel out of this,
0: right? Right. You know, maybe the story we need to tell is that how Deep Impact and Armageddon are prequels to Jurassic Park done Uh, maybe that's where we go i I think so too um obviously the the asteroid is 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 sort of the antagonist too but i'm gonna go since this is a michael bay film um the antagonist in armageddon is non-flammable material everything in this movie blows up it is (laughs) it is insane in the first Five minutes of the movie, there is a, an asteroid that enters the Earth's atmosphere, travels 300 miles, hits a hot dog cart which explodes in fire and brimstone. It was like the hot dogs were sticks of dynamite and the hot dog cart was full of 47 years of newspaper. It's absolutely insane how many things explode. I mean, they explode the Russian space station. They explode a space shuttle. They explode a hot dog cart. They explode just about everything that they can in this movie. And I don't really know how Michael Bay works but I gotta imagine that that he is measured in the number of fiery blasts that you can have, and and this movie must have been just a joy for him to do. Um, so believe it or not, that's not my most ridiculous moment. But what was the most ridiculous moment in Deep Impact?
1: Okay, I think okay, this was I finished watching it, and again, I love this movie, but I just found the the towards the end when. And again, I am just gonna call him Frodo. Frodo decides he's not gonna go into the Ark with his family. His family puts up minimal amount of protest. And then is like, yeah, you as a I guess he's supposed to be 16. They don't really address his age. But let's call him 16. A 16 year old. They're like, Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. No, that's weird he's 16 and your child no but his dad's like i get it basically so he goes and back to the house to his sorry his wife's house at this point because he married her
0: but he's 16
1: he's like he's somewhere in high school and he married her the girlfriend to get her into the ark and her family but then it didn't end up happening so she stayed with her family like a normal child and frodo decides nah i need to be with my 16 year old childbred and so he goes back to her house grabs her dirt bike drives it onto a highway looking for her in her parents van and magically they find each other her parents give her their infant child and send them off and I was like so much of this doesn't make any sense so to me no. that is the most ridiculous moment is that parents are gonna let their 16 year old boy, basically i mean in their minds he's going off to die and they didn't really protest and then he's on this massive highway um which i've actually been on that one because it's near virginia beach but this massive highway that both sides of the highway are taken up with cars all going in the same direction and they miraculously find each other she stands in the van and yells and he's like oh awesome <laughs> ridiculous just ridiculous <laughs> and, and tell me how armageddon can beat that
0: well i mean the entire movie the entire premise of armageddon is ridiculous the entire movie is ridiculous but but i i do i have lots of questions about about frodo so so first of all frodo is always going to look 16 i think he's in that show on fx willard i don't know if that's still on the air but but he looks sixteen still, and and it's like twenty two years later. Um, and then on top of that, I don't understand the the marriage and the infant. So I I, I gotta say that that sounds really ridiculous. Um, I Armageddon. Think I yeah. I, I, Armageddon is 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 ridiculous in, in absolutely every way. I mean, you can think about a bunch of guys on an oil rig all of a sudden becoming trained astronauts, like being able to launch into space, doing all the things that astronauts do. Um, there was at one point they were getting physicals and like one guy looks pretty close to having a BMI of about 45. He, he looks morbidly obese. I mean, Michael Clark's Duncan's heart exploded. Well, Omarosa killed him, but his heart <laughs> exploded. Right, so I'm pretty sure that he couldn't make it into space. There are just a litany of those events, and there's one event in the beginning where uh, Bruce Willis's character is chasing Ben Affleck's character through the the catwalks and and all of the the parts of the oil rig, and and Bruce Willis is shooting at him with a shotgun. I mean, he is attempting to murder. His future son-in-law with a shotgun, shooting highly—I would think—highly sensitive uh, gauges and <laughs> and equipment. Like you know, it's nothing else. There, there, there are so many moments in this movie that make zero sense, um, but just kind of cobbled together. It's like a whole bunch of ridiculous moments together, and 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 you don't worry about stuff. And I think that's one of the reasons why. Uh, armageddon is is just it's a better movie you don't really worry about things going bad so you know w- what is the heroic arc for for deep impact
1: think the heroic arc so because there with the multiple viewpoints i don't think there's in all honesty a, her- a heroic arc for everyone I think there's two main heroic arcs and one I've kind of already talked about, which was Tia Leone. And I mean, in fact, she ends the movie in the arms of her father after having given up her seat on a helicopter to safety. She gave up her seat to a mother and her young child. She goes to see her father. This is after her mother um, chose to end her own life instead of having an extinction event happen to her. So she's in her father's arms and they are hit by the wave caused by the smaller asteroid and they kind of end together. Um, But I think her heroic arc is the fact that she becomes more aware of not only herself, but a little bit of the world around her and that she decides that it's more important for her to have a mother and young child survive than it is just to have her just because she's a famous face. Um, She decides to make whole her family and not have any regrets in that matter. So I think that's one of the heroic arcs. But then you have Frodo, who, you know, his wife's parents don't make it. Um, They make that very clear, but she saves her younger sibling. Um, I believe it's a boy. I don't know that they really made a big deal of it. So that baby was not that big of a deal, but um, she still is able to keep the child alive with her and they end up on the mountaintop and he learns to care more about family than himself, I guess, because he's a 16 year old boy. That story arc to me, not my favorite, but I think the Tio Leone one is, and and Robert Duvall and the cast on the spaceship, their heroic arc is they literally saved the world and they decided not to go back to earth, but to turn around and save everyone on earth which I think is super satisfying. So
0: Yeah. yeah. At, at what point in Deep Impact does the asteroid hit the earth?
1: Um it's at like geez, about an hour and 50 minutes in. So it's okay. like the last 10 minutes of the movie, maybe 15 well, it's act minutes three basically. Yeah, it, it's definitely the the culmination of everything they've built. It ends with well it seems to end with devastation, but it also ends in a super positive note. Mm-hmm. And um, but I'll cover that next. So, OK, let's cover the what I feel to be very obvious heroic arc. But maybe you'll surprise me about Armageddon.
0: Sure. So, uh, yes, you're you're 100 percent right. I mean, there is there's one very obvious heroic arc. Uh, you know, AJ, which has been Affleck's character, is a buffoon the entire movie. He is he's stooping. Uh, what's his what's her name? Uh, Steven Tyler's daughter, Liv Tyler. Uh, who also happens to be uh, Bruce Willis's daughter in this movie. Um, he breaks the rig. He blows up the space station. He almost screws up the mission. He basically gets Bruce Willis's character killed. Um, so, you know, at the end of it, he, he is sort of the hero um, because he's the only one that survives. Uh, Bruce Willis will always be the hero. I think to me, Bruce Willis has no arc. Um, Bruce Willis starts out as the hero. He proceeds to be the hero throughout the movie. But then at the end, Ben Affleck sort of comes out on top. So I'm gonna give him his development a, a little bit more in terms of that heroic arc and and I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with him.
1: I have to uh, say I am surprised. I what thought would he you were think going the to- heroic arc? I mean, it's Bruce Willis.
0: See, to me, that's, that's you know, I think that that's too simple. I I really think Bruce Willis's character does not evolve much throughout the whole movie. He is, yes, he is shooting his shotgun on his rig, like I said before. However, he, he's looking out for his people. He's the one who volunteers to go on the ship. Um, he's not a bad guy. Like, there is no character development for Bruce Willis. Whereas Ben Affleck has character development throughout the movie. He he goes from a real big screw up to, to someone who ends up saving the world, basically.
1: Okay. You know what? I think that on this, you have convinced me. (laughs) I, you you know what? Cause like Bruce Willis is always the guy who's the hero, right? I mean, yep. but you're right. There's not as much development as um, Ben Affleck's character. And I really never thought of it that way so you know what i think you've convinced me on the heroic arc as far as between bruce willis and ben affleck
0: well what about the endings uh, obviously you know i think that the the one big difference between these two movies um is the ending we both talked about extinction events and save the earth type movies deep impact is different the earth doesn't get saved so so what's the ending like
1: so to me this is where the movie really shined so you know, you do. you got this small asteroid. It hits. It takes out a substantial portion of the East Coast. Um, always the U.S. We don't really ever focus on international disaster, but they do mention that the U.S. was not the only uh, n- like nation hit on this, so good for them for actually mentioning other countries in this one. But something that I thought was awesome was that at the end, so you've got this wipeout, and then it cuts to Morgan Freeman. You know, the voice of our generation. And <laughs> I mean he just truly is. And he's the president of the United States which good on them because this movie was also in the late 90s and there's a black feminist yeah, right? female protagonist. Yeah, yeah like they, they really, it. you know, props to them. But you get Morgan Freeman and he's standing in front of what appears to be a construction site and you know there's scaffolding behind him and he gives this really short but super profound speech about hope. And how we will survive. And honestly, I was watching this, you know, like a week ago and coronavirus is happening all around us. And I was like, (laughs) this is the speech that our current (laughs) president should be giving right now. (laughs) So I I watched it, definitely internalized it to our current situation. But I think that's what makes the movie so incredible because then they pan out and you see all of Washington DC being rebuilt. The White House is being rebuilt. And it it emphasizes his, his statements that no matter what, we will rebuild. You know, we cannot be destroyed. And that to me, it's like that right there. You know, it's the human spirit. So I was like, this ending, and again, maybe it's just because of what we're currently all kind of dealing with now, it was exactly what you needed. I mean, his portrayal from the start to the end was about the fact that we're, you know, things won't be the same, but we're going to be able to come back from a situation. Perfect ending. I mean, it's like they wrote it for today. So, I mean, I have to win this because of yeah, that. A
0: lot. I, I will have to say, I think we all need a Bill Pullman independence day type speech or a Idris Elba Pacific well Ram yeah, uh, well Morgan done. Freeman, deep impact speech. We, we need that. I would love to have the briefing, the uh, COVID nineteen briefing next week to basically come out and be all about how we will persevere against all odds and things like that. But I think our uh, our current Cheeto in chief has the capabilities of putting aside his own ego to to pull and rally together uh, an entire society. Uh, it, it's funny you talk about the the international connotations. Uh, these all of these disaster movies, and I understand that so many of these have been made for the American market um, shows the American protagonist and the American president and the American point of view um, where it's interesting, right? Like we're one of, of the world's population and uh, you, you don't see a China or a Southeast Asia or the Middle East uh, rallying together, but uh, you know, maybe that's going to happen. I, I remember independence day and, and that's kind of just what uh, I hearken back to, um, Armageddon's uh, ending is is nuts. Uh, I, I want to coin a phrase. I, I hope Tommy Shinebox is the first to ever use this phrase, but I'm going to call it visual diabetes. Um, <laughs> okay,
1: you're going to need to explain that.
0: Yes, the the ending of Armageddon is so loud, it is so bright, it is so disorienting that I needed 12 insulin shots in my butt it's just absolutely out of control bananas crazy you don't even know what's happening and and I think we've all we all know space is a vacuum right we we, we can understand that the sounds and things like that do not travel in space the way they do on earth however that doesn't work in michael bay's world um you know you you've got explosions as usual um you've got gravity because this asteroid apparently so big it has its own gravitational pull Uh, it literally is an assault on every one of your senses i mean it, it it even smells bad like it's a it's just it's just a horrible horribly loud ending and and it just impossible to watch. But again, I, I think that with Deep Impact having some really good, hopeful undercurrents, and um whereas the stakes in Armageddon are never that high. You don't ever think that the heroes won't succeed. So I think it really comes down to like how you feel. I know we're gonna talk about this in a bit, but but I I think Armageddon's ending is probably one of the weaker spots. It's, it's almost as if the writers had about 87 hours worth of work to do to, to write the movie. And they only got to the ending in the last 13 and a half minutes and they ran out of post-its to stick on the wall. Um, And they're just like, okay, well the nuke works, Bruce Willis dies. It, the, the asteroid splits in half and everyone's cool. So I really don't think that the ending to Armageddon is is all that great. But I have a question for you because you know, Deep Impact. There's a lot of words you said: um, you know, extinction event, the Ark, sacrifices. Those are some serious religious. Under- Obviously, the, the the movie wasn't made with religious connotations. I don't think. But but, what's your take on that?
1: I mean, you can't you can't ignore it. It. Well... <laughs> It's not overt, like you said. So you could definitely watch Deep Impact and not have taken away anything related to religious undertones, and you would have still saw a movie that was really good. They're they're there. You get you get an arc. You get an extinction level event. You get things where you have to make peace with yourself, which I think many religions would espouse as being something important yeah. towards your end of life is making sure that you are at peace with Penance. yourself yep and with the world ensuring that you don't leave with regrets um so i i think they're there but i i don't think they're super strong um in, in the fact that they're not pushed you can read it there if you are someone who is spiritual or religious um you can just watch a good movie from someone who's maybe an atheist and you don't You know, because I think these messages aren't just religious focused, but I definitely think somebody on the writer's side or someone who is part of the scripting process probably had a faith element to themselves and put that in there. Um, I mean, within the first 10 minutes, someone kind of passes away and then the story starts. And so it starts from a darker place and ends with a hopeful note, which I think many religious stories kind of mimic. Um, and honest, and there's a flood, <laughs> like
0: yeah. you know, there's a flood, flood there's an ark, yeah, yeah. So, I
1: mean, somebody in the writer's block definitely has their parents sacrificing
0: that. their children. I mean, yeah, this is this is like, I mean, they're all they're missing is uh, someone's wife turning into a pillar of salt, and and you've got basically uh, Deuteronomy, so yeah. it's a it, that's that's really interesting. Um, would you say
1: that there's anything? I mean, because so it's been a while since I've seen *Arbogaden*. But would you say anything similar? Because again, you're facing an extinction here.
0: I mean, I, I, if it's fair, I prayed to every one of my deities that I would not see this movie again. So I had <laughs> a sort of religious moment with this movie. Um, okay. It is. It, it, it is truly an awful, awful awful movie. It is just, I mean, even the, the Aerosmith song, and I love Aerosmith. It is so horrible. It is catchy, but it's also kitschy all at the same time. There is like zero redeeming quality to this movie. We demean every scientific person in the movie. They, the, You know the heroes are going to win, and it's almost like a it's a, it's a, against all odds, um, screw education, screw all this other stuff. Uh, we can continue to drink beer and be uncivil to each other and still come out on top, which I know I'm probably taking it a little too far. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't really think there are any religious undertones to, to, to any Michael Bay movie. and, And I definitely think Armageddon does not have any, but I, I think it's time for us to uh, score the movies in some way, shape, or form. I think we need to uh, we need to really dumb it down and go into number of asteroids. Um, so we'll go with our our categories of theme, protagonist, antagonist, most ridiculous moment, heroic arc, and ending. So deep impact. How many asteroids do you give the theme? The theme.
1: Um, I'm gonna do it out of five. That just feels right. I'm gonna give the theme. I'm gonna give it a solid four asteroids
0: out of four asteroids, which is good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, 80%. I'm gonna give it a a full five, actually, because um, this movie is literally about the asteroid and it hitting the earth and surviving not after the asteroid hits, but until the asteroid hits, and then all all uh, chips are off the table. So I'm gonna go with five. So uh, protagonist, how many asteroids would you give Talioni and Frodo? Who are your pro- uh, protagonists?
1: I'm gonna give them five. Five asteroid out of five. What are you gonna give Armageddon?
0: Uh, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give uh, Harry Stamper a solid three. Again, I don't think he had enough of a heroic arc to be the true protagonist, but that's how he was portrayed, portrayed as one. Uh, So I'm going to give him a three. Uh, The antagonist. I think you said the asteroid was your antagonist.
1: Yeah. And I think I have to, I have to give it a five out of five. The asteroid hit it. It kind of won a little bit. So (laughs) now one of two, luckily the other one didn't, because that would have been more catastrophic, but it's a five. Of course.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think the antagonist again. I said non-flammable material. I was not kidding, um, because the antagonist doesn't win if it's the asteroid in this. So I'm going to give him a, a one because his the antagonist failed. Most ridiculous moment.
1: Ugh. Okay. So I got to think about how to score this. Um. I would say that for the most ridiculous moment, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a two. A two out of five. Two.
0: So I not ridiculous it enough. One.
1: I mean, ah, oh jeez. You know what? Yeah, I'm going to stick with my two, but, okay. I, but, but I think it could probably have gone with a one, but I'm going to stick with yeah. two.
0: Yeah, so not ridiculous enough. I, I'm going to go in, in, in with uh, um a good five for ridiculous moments, actually, because this movie was ridiculous from beginning to end. Heroic arc. I think you had some good heroic arcs in there. Oh,
1: five out of five.
0: Five out of five. five That's out great. Five. I'm gonna give uh, Armageddon and AJ a 1.37.
1: Oh, that's so generous.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that that's this is how I'm gonna go for that buffoon. The ending.
1: I mean, I I'm gonna give it a four, and I and I say this because while I loved the hopeful message, I do feel the last 15 minutes, a lot kind of happened and I don't know mm-hmm. that they needed to have it shoved into 10 to 15 minutes of the movie. I think maybe they could have allotted a little more time, but, and you don't, for example, see Frodo ever meet with his parents. So I think of four out of five.
0: Okay. Um, I'm going to go with a three out of five for Armageddon. I don't think the ending was the strongest part of the movie. So uh, totaling up the scores, uh, Deep Impact with a 25 beats Armageddon with a 18.37 beats uh, Armageddon handily. So it is clear that Deep Impact is actually the better movie. And was that is the doubt? first and last time you will ever hear me say that. Um,
1: I, I've got it on record, so it's uh, fine. But I'll
0: I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. You know, the um, having you uh, give the review of Deep Impact makes me want to watch it more, and makes me realize just how bad Armageddon is. <laughs> I mean, this movie was so awful; it was just terrible and it was so long so what are some of the other famous movie twins that uh you know i know you nailed a couple of them before but some of the more recent ones what do you what do you think about some of them
1: so i guess i'm going to go in order that i remember them coming out but that does not mean that they came out in this order we've got you know horror is kind of my favorite so we've got the haunting versus house on haunted hill and I love both of these movies and I still can't always keep it straight which one is which. We've got another disaster flick, uh, both of them. I call them flick because they're basically the same. Two thousand twelve versus day after tomorrow.
0: Which was the one Joan Cusack was in? Uh <laughs> so
1: um two thousand twelve, but let me be clear. Is that the
0: one where, where she, she was not in driving the- <laughs> in, in the limo on the tarmac? Yes, it's so Th- good. That yeah, is no. that is That is, and if we have to do movie twins again, I'm not doing that one.
1: Oh, we're doing that one. I mean, so he's not on a tarmac. He's driving it on, you know, city city highways that are literally falling apart as he's driving, and they're missing a door in the car, but Mm. nobody flies out. The movie, I mean, it actually, I think, puts Armageddon to shame in level of ridiculousness. Wait, by the way, true. Just remind me, did. Okay, the, the astronauts—they came back at the end of Armageddon, right? Did they show they that? I don't remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> I,
0: I, I believe they do. I, I I have to now. I have to think about it. I feel. <laughs> I feel. You know, it, this is this is one of those things where watching things explode so much in space. Um, I think I might have temporary amnesia.
1: Okay, I mean, my memory—all I remember is the explosion and Bruce Willis not making it. But I. <laughs> you know blanked out after that So maybe that's what michael Bay's going (laughs) for (laughs)
0: most people took a nap
1: okay fair enough um you know a more recent both equally terrible um kind of twin was white house down versus olympus has fallen and they're actually hiccups dad in it oh no um i think olympus has fallen because isn't that the one that has the sequel that has recently or is coming out
0: he's I gonna be in thought another that one. white house down was the sequel to olympus has fallen so it i can't
1: be I twins and sequels
0: i well i mean maybe parts of arkansas they can
1: yeah we're not gonna go there but agreed <laughs> um but see okay so but i think it's olympus has fallen because there's there's another sequel coming out with Pickup dad which is a great name that I also can't remember his name. Ger- Butler. Remember his name. Gerard, Gerard.
0: Butler. Is it G- Gerald or Gerard? Gerard. It's like Rafe or Ralph Finds.
1: Fair. And I have... It's it's Rafe, right? Because it's weird?
0: <laughs> no, well, it's, it's not Ralph. weird. It's Ralph. No,
1: it's... Okay,
0: that's fair. It's spelled Ralph.
1: Well, okay. So if this goes well and this podcast goes well, I think that kind of maybe leads to what could potentially be our next topic is sequels.
0: I agree. I agree. I think that there is a lot of discussion to be had around good sequels, why sequels were made. Um, I do want to go back to a couple of things in my research that I found that were really interesting. Did you know that Gone with the Wind was technically a movie twin? What? Yes, with a movie called Jezebel, apparently created for Betty Davis. Um, I... uh, have never seen or heard of the movie Jezebel, but I I feel that if I Googled it, it might be a porn website. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. Um, Did you know Dr. Strangelove? Um, The famous Stanley Kubrick movie was also a movie twin. No. Yeah. Shaft movie twin.
1: (gasps) What's, what's the movie twin?
0: It's called, and, and this is, this is phenomenal by the way. Phenomenal. This is probably the greatest name for a movie of all time. Sweet Sweetback's badass song. With badass having not two S's, but five S's and three A's. What? Yes. 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 I feel that it, it that I, I need to Google the Sweet Sweetbacks badass song, but um, you know, again That's though, the uh, whole title. That is the whole title, "Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song."
1: No, that's awful. Yep,
0: yep. That's yep. why I've never heard of it. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep. Weird science and real genius, which I don't think that's a. I don't really consider those two. I I loved Real Genius. Um, I might be the only one. I love the the final prank of that movie where they they ex, uh, explode the popcorn from a laser in in a satellite. Um, that I, I just find to be hilarious. Let's see, there's a, there's a few more. You said uh, The Prestige and The Illusionist, which are both great. I think The Prestige was the one that I loved uh, with Hugh um, uh, Jackman. Christian Bale, Hugh Jackman. Bale, Bale. Hugh Jackman. Yep. Who was yep. Who was
1: in The Illusionist then? I literally I, can't keep them straight. That's
0: a, that's, actually, it's a great question. I'm going to go with John Cusack and Frodo who were in The Illusionist. I believe you. I yes.
1: That would that'd be why I don't remember it because it's probably yes. worse than The Prestige.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, the Truman show and EdTV?
1: Okay, so I agree, but I think the Truman's show like wallops
0: the oh. Ed show. I mean, was it was Ed TV Matthew McConaughey?
1: Was it Matthew McConaughey, or was it um the the guy who's actually in 2012 in the beginning? He was also That's a in good the Games movie. So. Yeah, it,
0: it, this is why we're saying that we are not movie critics. Uh, yeah, I think it's pretty clear that we cannot remember. <laughs> Happy Feet and Surfs Up uh, is another one, and then Despicable Me and Megamind, which I completely disagree with. Disagree. I mean, no, completely disagree that those were. Yes, they were both animated movies, but um, Despicable Me is hands down a completely different movie than. Like, well, actually, no, it's not.
1: <laughs> no, it is megamind wins. the
0: bad guy wins oh, the bad guy's the protagonist Gru uh grew versus uh megamind they both fall in love i mean that that would have been a good movie twins but in any case um so so if this does take off as you said um i think a a sequels episode is is absolutely where we want to go and i think that's what we do next anything else
1: i don't think so except that let's remember the score. I am ahead of the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I, (laughs) I will say say handily. So I'm going to have to do a better job of picking my movie the next time when we talk about uh, sequels. Um, And I I think we've got a list of them that are great, like Captain America, Winter Soldier, Thor Ragnarok, How to Train Your Dragon 2, The Dark Knight. Um, Those are all phenomenal sequels. I will add aliens to the mix. And another one that a lot of people suggest um but i agree i think this was a lot of fun i i I hope we do it again i think uh let's uh let's listen to our recording and see how bad it was uh and then decide if we're truly as fun as we think we are i wish no
1: wishing is wrong It's the wrong word right now that's not what i mean What I mean is, I believe in God.
0: Relax. I know a lot of you don't, (laughs) but I still want to offer a prayer for our survival,
1: mine included. Because I believe that God, whomever you hold that to be, hears all prayers, even if sometimes the answer is no. So may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord lift up his divine countenance upon you. And give you peace.